A judge overseeing a murder trial has his own secret to hide. And then we take a trip around the United States to visit haunted asylums. Are you ready to walk down those dark halls? It's an interactive adventure today on Dead Rabbit Radio. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. You know, we have a new club. There's one member. He's the founder. I call it the Golden Rabbit Brigade. Because a listener, I have a listener named Chris K, made a great donation to the continuation of the show. I don't have a Patreon set up. He went about it and, and did it himself. I didn't even know that was possible. But uh, I appreciate that. It really, really helps out a lot. And so, Chris K., thank you. You're also now in the show notes as the founder of the Golden Rabbit Brigade, which I think is kind of cool. Now, from now on, imagine Chris K. decked out in golden rabbit armor. It's like a real cool suit of armor, but it has rabbit ears as well. But again, I want to say thank you one more time. Really, really helps. Really, really helps. I'm not going to say what the dollar amount was, but I do like how he announced, put the change as 33 cents. Uh, uh, Masonic. Masonic symbols, Masonic symbols everywhere if you know where to look. But let's go ahead and get started with the first story here. Now, this story I had heard a long... This could act... You know, I haven't done it in a long time. New news! Because I read this way back in the day, and I laughed so hard. And I stumbled back across it a couple days ago, and I was like, I gotta cover that story. So we are going back, in this case, to the magical year of 2003. We're in Bristow, Oklahoma. And we're sitting in a courthouse. We're sitting in the back. Just chilling, checking our chairs, make sure there's no snakes. That's a deep cut. That's an old episode. And in, I usually don't do in-jokes, but I couldn't resist. We're sitting in these chairs, and we're watching this trial. And the, it's a trial for a murder, a, a quite grisly murder. Court reporter sitting there, typing. Jury's sitting there going, hmm, They're all making those noises, hmm, as they question everything. Prosecutor's giving his case. Now, this man here murdered this person in a horrible way. And we should have to do in the whole Atticus Finch thing. And we just see the judge sitting on the stand. Not on the stand. Sitting at the bench. Sitting on the podium. Whatever it is. You know what? You've seen Law and Order. You know where judges sit. And we hear a pss, 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 pss. And I'm like, what is that noise? You can see the jurors looking around going, hmm, hmm. Now they're saying it even louder. Prosecutor kind of like gets distracted for a second, but just has to keep going doing his job. Psh, psh, psh. And the judge is just kind of sitting there looking at everyone. We're, nobody can know what the sound is. Is it a mouse with a pneumatic gun shooting potatoes at people? Did a balloon hide as a person and now it's slowly deflating? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. I am poking people with pins, though, to test that theory. But the court reporter does know. And she's sweating as she's typing her notes because she knows what's going on. So Lisa Foster was the court reporter. And she had worked with this particular judge for a while, right? And she had seen, because the way she's positioned, she's typing in her little stenographer's chair. She is able to, every so often, kind of look over. And she sees the judge sitting there with the penis pump attached to his penis that's where it goes and he would sit there during trial and just go and masturbate while people were on trial for murder now 
She didn't say anything. And this is very telling. This was a quote that Lisa said, because after everything came out, they asked her about it. And she's like, yeah, I know. You had the penis pump and all that stuff. They're like, why didn't you say anything? This was her exact quote. I didn't want to be found dead in a ditch somewhere. That's just insane that she was basically like, if I rat this guy out for masturbating in a trial, there's a chance no one will believe me. And I will be retaliated against. That's harrowing. It's really scary to think she works in the judicial system and even she's like scared of like the bad guys in the system. But what happens is people, he does this for two years. Not He's not constantly, it's not the same jack off routine. I mean, like he takes it off every once in a while. Otherwise, he just has like this massive, he needs another robe for his genitalia. No, during trials and stuff, every so often he'd be like, oh yeah, what am I doing? Oh yeah, I'm supposed to masturbate now. And he'd put the penis pump on. Sometimes he wouldn't use the penis pump. Sometimes he would just masturbate under his robes. And people, you know, you have the same people coming to the courthouse all the time. Police officers, lawyers, and stuff like that. They started to think, this is so funny, because every so often, they'd see him fiddling with his hands behind his big old desk. And, you know, like, in the courthouse, behind the big old, like, judge's throne, we'll call it whatever it's called, they would see him playing with, like, moving his hands and looking down, and they thought he brought, like, a Game Boy. They thought he was playing straight-up Game Gear down there. Golden Axe 2, while these people were on trial. But they'd ask him, and they'd be like, oh, no, 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 I was fine. I was just, I had an itch that took me five minutes to scratch, and then I moaned when I got done scratching it. They're like, I guess that makes sense. At one point, though, a cop was testifying against somebody. So he's sitting on the stand, and he sees... Looks over while he's giving his testimony, looks over, and he sees a plastic tube going into the judge's robes. So his little detective instinct went off, and he's like, ah, I better investigate that. That's why his wife left him, because he just investigate everything. Who ate the pie? He's like putting up little police tape around the pie. He doesn't let anything go by. He has to investigate everything. After they break for lunch, the cop goes over and looks at where the judge sits and sees the penis pump. It's just sitting there behind his podium. So they, he ends up, re, the officer ends up reporting it. They start investigating it, And the judge goes, oh, that thing. Yeah, I never use it. It was a gag gift. And I probably should have thrown it away. But I, I did get it. And they go, well, why is it in your, why is it in your workstation? I know there's a hundred law students right now pulling their hair out. Because I don't know the name of where the judge sits. But why did you have that there? And he goes, well, sometimes I keep it in my office, but every so often I bring it out here. And people, that's even more, but that doesn't answer the question. Why are you carrying a penis pump around? And he goes, listen, I'll be honest with you guys. This noise you hear going, because it actually was so loud, it appeared on the audio tape of that trial. You can hear people arguing about whether or not this guy is a murderer. And you hear a, he says, listen, I'll be honest with you guys. I'll be frank with you. Which is kind of weird because my name is actually Donald. And they're like, this <laughs> is dead silent. They're like, dude, just tell us the story. He's like, okay, here we go. Scratches that off of his stand-up routine list. He says, that noise you hear is actually me pressing the penis pump. And they're like, oh, thanks for being honest. He's like, no, 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 but it wasn't on my penis. You see, sometimes I just absentmindedly reach for it and press it. It's just like a stress thing or I'm just not really thinking. And they're like, that's not, that's not true. That is 100% not true. So the cops ended up having to go and they're like, we know this guy's masturbating during these trials. They got a hold of his robes. They went and they took a sample of the carpet underneath his chair and his chair and ran tests on it. And it was all covered in semen. 
So he was masturbating into his robes. I don't know what his output was, but apparently he was everywhere down there. I guess if you're masturbating for two years in the same spot. Chris K's like, great, this is the episode I donated to him on. I, I, I guess if you're masturbating in the same spot for two years, it's going to get everywhere. But come on, on your robes, on your robes, lift those up. That's gross because, you know, once he was finished, he just sat in those robes for the rest of the trial or the rest of that day. I'm sure he washed them, but he didn't because they found DNA on them. Anyways, so he ended up getting four years for it because they could charge him on like four times of doing it. They gave him one year for each time they absolutely knew he was masturbating during trial. They gave him four years in prison and a $10,000 fine for each time he did it. So he got $40,000 in fines. And defense lawyers were basically, they were masturbating because they were so happy. They're like, we can totally get our client off. And, but that, that doesn't seem to have worked because all of this stuff pretty much happened back in the early 2000s. I didn't see anything about a bunch of defendants getting retried or anything like that. But Judge Donald Thompson, 59-year-old man in 2003, masturbating. I, I'm sure he's still alive now, but I really doubt he's a judge but i just find that story absolutely hilarious okay so let's go ahead it's true crime right conspiracy investigation you know i I can wrap it in there maybe maybe it was ectoplasm Ooh, paranormal let's go ahead and move on to our next story the next story i wanted to turn a lemon into lemonade i've been so hard on backpacker verse in the past they gave me a list of 10 of the most haunted insane asylums with 10 of the dumbest ghost stories possible. And I said, you know what? I'm going to find the true history of these haunted asylums. I will take Backpackerverse, if you don't know, is a website that basically just makes stuff up and then passes it off as paranormal truth. So basically, like most paranormal websites, but they go the extra mile. They just absolutely make everything up. I said, you know what? I'm going to take these insane asylums. I'm going to find out about them. I'm going to find a real ghost story in there to chill your bones. And... You get to play along with this one. Because who doesn't want to have an interactive adventure where you get locked in a place with people who are mentally insane? So pick a number between one and five. Okay, you got your number? Let's go ahead and hop on board the Carpenter Copter. And we are flying to Spring City, Pennsylvania. In Spring City, Pennsylvania, we have the Pinhurst Asylum. And the helicopter's flying overhead, and you look down, you're like, oh, great. This looks super spooky. I was like, it is. It is super spooky. The Pinhurst Asylum was originally known as the Pinhurst Home for the Feeble-Minded and Epileptic. Which, so apparently back then, epilepsy was considered a mental... I have a really good friend of mine who has epilepsy really bad. And I felt bad for him because he had epilepsy. He had a stroke so bad or seizure so bad, that his, he said his brain doesn't work like it used to. He goes, I talk really slow. And I go, dude, I've known you for years. You talk the same speed. But because his brain is processing the language slower, he thinks he sounds slow. So he's super self-conscious about it. But anyways, you can have like, being like, imagine you have epilepsy. Like you're a total functioning adult, but you have some short circuit in your brain and your body will start to seize up and stuff like that. And they put you in a place with like drooling lunatics who have like, were butchering pigs that's kind of how it was back then which totally sucked and it's almost like prison where you would have to group up you would be like i better find the other epileptics and like hang out with them in case there's like a rumble or something like that because everyone else in here is a raging lunatic so nowadays they do ghost tours there 
And that's where one of these ghost stories come from. One of these ghost stories comes from a ghost tour guide. He's walking through the spooky, spooky asylum. It's no longer full of a bunch of people with medical problems. It's just full of tourists and tour guides. And he's walking through the asylum. He's all alone. And then he turns. And he sees a young woman standing behind him. And her face is covered in blood. Makeup. Just bloody makeup. And he goes, whoa, I didn't see you there. And she stands there. And then he turns. His boss walks by and he goes, hey, boss, check out this girl. The girl had vanished. Now, I was like, listen, listen. That is the story from Backpackerverse. And I thought, if you're going to make it up, why does she not have just blood on her face? Why is it bloody makeup? And I've realized something. A lot of these ghost stories involve guys, like, running into girls. And then, and then the girl disappearing. And I wonder if there's something Freudian about that. Or... If they're just normal girls and these guys are running into and the guy like acts kind of awkward and cringy around her. And then he's like, hey, boss, meet this new girl. And then she like sneaks out. She's like, weirdo. She leaves. There's so many of these stories involve guys meeting girls. And then they go. And then when I turned around, she was gone, which is basically any guy at a bus stop. Any guy trying to pick up a girl at a bus stop. I did that once. Don't do that. So here's the thing. You go, Jason. That was the story from Backpackerverse. You, you promised me an interactive adventure, and I did. So here we go with a newer ghost story. A newer ghost story. Now, this one also seems to be fairly made up. But, let's do this. Pinhurst Asylum was overcrowded. And it was a horrible place to be. They ended up shutting it down because it was just so awful. But there are stories that are promoted by the current owner of the haunted house attraction known as Pinhurst Asylum. That the previous doctor was killed by the inmates. And the asylum just burned down. And so please donate to my GoFundMe to get it rebuilt. But before you do that, you should know. After all the crazy people escaped, people are like, are you saying a bunch of epileptics or like serial killers? The guy's like, no, 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 no. No, they're totally normal. I'm talking about the crazy people. The crazy people. They escaped, but sometimes they come back late at night. To find you. And the mad doctor who performed all these experiments on them that I forgot to mention earlier. Mad doctor performed experiments on all these guys. Sometimes he comes back too. Even though he's dead. He's a ghost. Sick with the program. It's a ghost guide. It's a ghost tour. You're like, dude, this is a really confusing ghost tour. He's like, shh. So, you're walking through the asylum all by yourself. In the dark halls, with just a flashlight, you little urban explorer, you. Wanting to get some good footage for your YouTube channel. And that's when you feel cold, icy hands grab you. Not just grab you, but grab into you. Grab your spine and pull you into a dark room. And there you see the ghastly doctor. His medical staff standing all around him. And you see a tool in his hand that you saw once in a horror movie. Or you're just a crazy person and you know what it looks like anyways. It's a lobotomy needle. And if you picked number five, you feel a little bit of pressure right above your left eye. As it slowly cracks bone and then slides into your brain. And then he stirs you up like a Kool-Aid, like a jug of Kool-Aid. And you are now one of the crazy people stalking Pinhurst Asylum. So... 
I like that ghost story. That's much better than, than the blood D makeup. Like, it's a much, much better story than that one, but that one's also totally fake. The guy, people in town want him to shut down his haunted house attraction. They go, this is so demeaning to people with mental illnesses. And the guy's like, dude, I'm just making it up. Just making it up that every night these mental people come back and might murder your children. They've been trying to shut it down for years. But let's go ahead and go to our next encounter. Our next encounter is in Ohio. So hop on board the Carpenter Copter. We, if you're number five, we left you. You're just sitting somewhere in the asylum. We didn't keep track. I should have counted people before we went on this trip. People, Someone's like, hey, didn't we have five people on this trip? I was like, yeah, no, just get on the copter. Just get on the copter. Fly away. We're going to Athens, Ohio. I wonder if that's close to Helltown. Anyways, we're going to Athens, Ohio. We're going to an asylum known as the Ridges. I thought this one was funny because the, the <laughs> I shouldn't say funny, but the, it's known as the Ridges today. And that name came out from some sort of name. Like the county had a naming contest. Spooky, spooky buildings out in the middle of nowhere, which would be the perfect place to have a mental institution. You don't want it in the middle of town. The one in Sacramento, though, is like right off the freeway. It's like in the middle of town. You can buy candy at the gas station and then walk into the mental hospital in Sacramento. Anyways, this place is known. This has some real ghost stories, so don't shut it off. You're like, Jason's just going to keep reading ridiculous stuff. This one actually has some real ghost stories. Established in 1874. And actually has an interesting question about ghosts, too. That's the reason why I included this one. There's a shadowy figure located around the buildings. So you got the shadow man, right? Walking around. You turn, you see a shadow walk by. Now, what's interesting about this shadow guy is that he walks weird. He walks with a, like a weird walking style. Doesn't walk like a person would normally walk. And so apparently, according this part's according to Backpacker First, the, someone brought a tape recorder to the ridges and did an EVP, and it told this story. They basically asked this shadow man questions, and this is the story that we heard. The shadow man is a ghost, and he's the ghost of a guy who had epilepsy. And he felt... <clears throat> so I don't think this is so funny. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But he falls in love with a woman who has a mental problem. <laughs> It's too late to get your money back. It's too late to get your money back. I already cut it out of my PayPal. Uh, you're like, dude, I'm never giving this to you. Okay, so there's this guy. There's this guy. Okay. There's a guy with epilepsy, and he falls in love with this girl in a mental asylum. It sounds very sweet, right? It sounds It's adorable. Everybody needs love. But... Unbeknownst to the both of them, she was scheduled for a lobotomy. So he's like falling in love with this girl and she's falling in love with him. And then one day he basically just goes to her room and is like, hey, Natalie, what's going on? And she's just, uh, she had a lobotomy and he, she doesn't remember him. That's, that's tragic. I don't know why I think that story's so... Anyway, so here's let's let's try to save this as much as we can. So the question is this: so they said that the shadow man is the ghost of that man still pining after his lost love. So here's the thing: here's here's the thing. Why would the ghost have epilepsy? Like, if the ghost is walking around all weird, the idea is is that the ghost is the ghost of the man, and the ghost is walking like someone who has severe epilepsy. Why would the ghost have epilepsy? If that's true, if you're blinded in real life or you get in a car accident or you fall on an airplane and you're flat, is your ghost flat? 
Like, do you just kind of squirm along the ground? Is your ghost blind? Like, it doesn't make sense. Because then all ghosts would be crippled of, in one way or the other. But anyways, according to this, that this ghost has epilepsy. But that's not the fate you get. Although that would be kind of funny, too, if you pick this number. The love of your life gets lobotomized. But no, 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 we're going to do, do something else here. Because there's another more chilling story than that, that one. What you get is this. The story of Margaret Schilling. She was a patient there who really liked to play hide-and-go-seek. Hey, catch me, guys. I'm going to go hide and you seek me. And they're like, yeah, Margaret, we know how to play the game. Just go hide. We'll find you. (sighs) She runs down the hallway. She shuts the door and hides. No one will find me here. And the nurses would find her and take her back to her room. And she'd be like, hee hee hee, I'm such a good hide and seeker. But one day she started the game and the nurses got distracted. And she hid the perfect hiding spot. And a month later, they found her dead in the room now obviously someone who was lucid would go oh they haven't found me in an hour i guess the game's over but to her the game of hide and go seek was so real it never ended and even today when you go into that room presumably you can see the imprint of her body on the ground no matter how many times they wash it it won't come out so if you picked number three you get to play hide and go seek and you're never found You're running away from us. You're like, hey, guys, I'm going to go hide in here, and you guys find me. We're like, we're not playing that, bro. And you go running down the hallway, dodging different aisles. You're like, they'll never find me here. And you hide. Shut the door behind you, and you're like, (laughs) they'll never find me. But I I left out one other detail. The number one reason why men were admitted to the ridges, the number one reason, 81 different cases of this, of why people were admitted to the Ridges Mental Institution, was for excessive masturbation. So you hide in the room. No one will ever find you. And then the ghosts of 81 masturbating men appear around you and say, we found you. And you're it. And then you can imagine what goes and what happens after that. What happens after that. But we don't go looking for you. You are lost to your fate if you pick number three. A lot of masturbation during this episode. Not while I'm recording it, but maybe while you're listening to it. Let's go ahead and move on to the next asylum. And I honestly might take one out here. Let me take a look. I might make you guys delete a number again. Let's see here. Yeah, okay. I'm going to take one out. (laughs) Yeah, I'm taking one out. I'm taking one out. I know I've done this before. It's just, I'm I, okay, so, so, I can either go and re-record everything I recorded where I mentioned the number, or, if you pick the number two, now you can pick between one and four. There you go, one and four. We've said goodbye to five, we've said goodbye to three. We hear a lot of moaning as we're leaving the ridges, and I'm like, hmm, that's weird. Kind of sounds like one of my listeners, and 81 other people. But, we're getting back on the Carpenter Copter. We are headed to East Bethany, New York. And in East Bethany, New York, we go to Rolling Hills Asylum. This place sounds absolutely horrible. They've done a little bit of recovery today, but how it sounded back in the day was horrible. Because remember how I said you had, like, epileptics? And then you had people who were just, like, nuts. And you'd be like, "Uh, dude, I can do my taxes. Like, I know how to pet a dog, and I'm stuck with this guy who does his dog and tries to pet his taxes. Like... But this Rolling Hills was actually even worse because it started off as a poorhouse. 
So basically, you went there if you were homeless, or you you you're, you were a widow, you'd end up there. If your family was homeless, you'd end up there. But then they're like, you know what? We have this great facility with all these homeless people in it, and we got all these crazy people running around. Let's combine them. Let's Reese's Peanut Butter Cup these two things. What could go wrong? So they took in blind people, disabled people, alcoholics, orphans, widows, like I said. And then just people who were crazy, all packed into this facility. That would have to be the worst. If you were basically like, man, I lost my job. This sucks. Oh, no, I got kicked out of my apartment. Oh, no, what am I going to do? I'm sleeping on the street. Cop arrests me, sends me to jail, and I wake up and people are just pooping on me and like clawing at my body and telling me all of them are Jesus. I'd be like, this is the, that to me would be the worst. I would want to be crazy with them. Think if you were crazy locked up with other crazy people, it'd probably be more tolerable than if you were one sane person trapped with, and you would have to group up. You'd have to form like a homeless league to protect the other homeless people. So anyways, Rolling Hills Asylum. This one has some real ghosts. This one has some real ghost stories. Here's, so these ones, people are known to get ectoplasm on their face, which I think might actually be a little bit of blowback from the ridges. It's flying over state lines, but... People said they'd wake up, they'd have ectoplasm. Again, that's probably something else, but they'd wake up, they'd have ectoplasm on their face. Sharon Coyle, she's the current owner of the Rolling Hills Asylum. She kind of turned it into a tourist attraction and shut down now. There's not just a bunch of crazy people. She's like, oh, don't go in Ward H. That's still an operation. Bunch of poor widows being like, help me. (laughs) They're getting dragged off by insane people. Sharon Coyle, she's the current owner. She has brought in paranormal investigators and stuff like that. They have a shadow person. We've talked about shadow people before. Generally, they're very tall. They're known to be very tall. You see a little shadow person, you're like, yeah, you know. But anyways, there's a giant seven-foot-tall shadow person there, and you're like, dope, I want to wrestle a shadow person. If I pick this number, can I wrestle a shadow person? This isn't technically a shadow person as we know it. This is a dude named Roy who had gigantism. So it's actually a giant ghost, which I don't know if, I don't know what's more scary. A shadow person who's known to be kind of an interdimensional being or just a seven seven foot five ghost man who roams the halls. And she says one day she was walking through the halls and she saw a rat and it scared her and she ran away. And then she came back later and the rat had its neck broken and there was a bloody handprint on the wall. Now, I don't believe that story. Like, I'm sure that she saw a broken rat. She probably saw a rat and then came back and saw another rat with its head broken. But again, if the ghost of Roy can do that, do the laundry, dude. Like, if you can pick up a rat and break its neck and then, like, leave a mark on the wall, you could easily put on a tool belt and fix the heater down in the basement. Like, why not? Why are ghosts super helpful in some aspects? But whenever she's back in her car up into her parking spot, Roy's not back there waving her on and going, stop, no, a little bit more, a little left, and then he vanishes when she has the perfect parking spot. Why not? But you want to know what your fate is, because you just want this episode to be over at this point. You're on the tour, it's just me, number one, and number four, and then number two's like, I can't believe I got left out again. Come on, number two, pick another number. We're all sitting there, and I go, you ready to know your fate? And you're like, yes, I'm ready to know my fate. This one has so many ghosts that it is known for its ghost tours. So I look over at you and you're like, oh, that's interesting. I love ghost hunting. Mm-hmm. It has events like four to eight hour ghost tours. So from midnight to 8 a.m. 
people walking through the asylum with their tape recorders, their flashlights, and their other made-up devices. Those things are actually real, but... Oh, I have this Kalongnar 2000 that detects the renal gland of a ghost. And you're like, what? Just walking through. Cost me $500. They have movie night, where you can sit and watch a movie, like the original Poltergeist. And then afterwards, go on an optional ghost tour. Maybe you're too scared to go. They even have painting with the spirits, where a bunch of middle-aged women get together, drink wine, and draw in a supposedly haunted building. But the scariest of all, the scariest of all on their calendar of events, is July 26th. To be determined, what horrors does the universe hold on that day? What will pierce the veil and take us onto the other side on July 26th? It's to be determined. So, (laughs) if you picked number one, you are trapped here, and every day is a ghost tour for you. Not as a ghost, that would be cool. No, no, no. You can never leave this building. You walk through it every single day on the exact same ghost tour, with the exact same tour guides telling you the exact same stories. And they always go, oh, you just missed it, a ghost walked by. It's like Groundhog's Day but with ghosts. And you have to spend your nights watching the original Poltergeist, and every night is painting with the spirits night as you're surrounded by these women whose lives hold no excitement. So they get together and paint as an excuse to drink. And you're like, Jason, that's ridiculous. That's not you. (laughs) Now you're just, but oh, you don't let me finish. But at the end of each night, just when you think, Maybe the next sunrise will let you leave this prison. That's when the shadow people come. Because there are stories that when you look down the long hallways of the asylum, every so often you'll see a head peek around the corner. Think it's a trick of the light. You've been down this hallway a hundred times. You've been trapped on this tour forever. But you see, every single night, that head pokes out. And then the tall shadow person, not Roy, not Roy, another one. He's changing someone's brakes gets down on all fours, and slowly begins to crawl towards you. And like that is on top of you. None of the other people on the tour see it. As this shadow person is tearing into you like a wild beast. You feel that experience every single night. You feel your own body be pulled into the shadow realm. And then you wake up the next morning on a bench in the lobby of the Rolling Hills Asylum, knowing not only are you going to have to experience that same thing again, but that shadow creature running at you down the hallway is actually you. And that's spooky for some reason. Okay, let's go ahead. That's trippy, at least, right? That's <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. That was number one. Did I say that was you? If you picked number one, I don't remember. Let's go ahead and move on to... Byberry Mental Hospital. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on to Byberry Mental Hospital. I, I enjoy these. I really hope you guys too. This one's gone a little off the rails, but I really enjoy these. Okay, so Byberry Mental Hospital, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This one was so bad that in 1945, some dude took a bunch of photos of what was going on in there and released it to the public 
And there was this huge outcry. And they immediately shut it down in 1987. It took them like 40 years to shut this place down. So the photos, one, there was poop all in the hallways. Which you're thinking, oh, that's fine. I'm in my room. I don't have to worry about that. But the place was so overcrowded, people (laughs) slept in the hallways. So people were sleeping in their poop. There was an urban... Oh, so the place has been torn down at this point. place has been completely torn down. But we will, through the magic of time travel, we're there. After all the poop is cleaned up and all the people are freed, we're in the building. It's slightly derelict. And it also had a huge underground system to get from building to building. The people didn't want to walk in the poop, so they would go underground and walk and pop up another building. You open the door and a bunch of poop falls on you. (laughs) But anyways, us remaining two people, me and you who have picked number four, we are going to experience this ghost story in the tunnel. Well, let's go. After you. After you, sir. So we're walking, or met him, I don't know. We're walking through the tunnel, and we hear a chuckle. <laughs> like, that's weird. It was a weird laugh. Ah, nothing. And then our flashlights die. Boom. Now we're standing in the darkness, just me and you. The musty dark darkness underneath this former insane asylum. And that's when we smell something. You smell that? You go... Is that the smell of 81 people masturbating? I'm like, no, 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 no. I know that smell. This smells like rotten flesh. And then right when I make that realization, both of us get pushed from behind. Ah! And both of us hit our heads on separate walls and we're knocked unconscious. Ugh. And then the next day, some other urban explorers, part of our crew, the Urbex crew, kick down the door and they're like, we got to save them. Actually, they just stumble across us. We're both laying there unconscious. Urban explorers wake us up. They go, hey, you okay? And we're like, yes, even though we were knocked unconscious for 24 hours in the dark and haven't suffered any real brain damage, we are fine. And then they're like, oh my God, look at you. And then we look down, both of us, we have huge cuts across our skin. Like we were attacked by some sort of wild animal. We're like, ah. We're both taken to the hospital. Hopefully you have insurance. I do. And they treat us, and we get hundreds of stitches each. So about, let's say, 250 stitches between the both of us. Wait, would that be? No, if you had hundreds, that would mean you would have to have 200 or more. So we got 500 stitches total. We're the stitch bros now. That's how we're known. Me and number four. And we're also briefly hospitalized for our our head wounds because we were knocked unconscious for 24 hours. Now, if that story is true, it's quite skeptical it is. It actually makes a lot of sense. You walk through a tunnel. You walk through an abandoned tunnel. You get knocked from behind. You do get knocked unconscious. That's possible. And the deep gashes on you was any number of wild animals, raccoons, or rabid hobos that stumbled across you over the course while you were unconscious. There's definitely a reason why that could be fake. It could also be fake because that was one of the ghost stories from Backpack Reverse. When I looked into this hospital... Most of the stuff on Byberry Mental Hospital was about how horrible it was. Not a lot of ghost stories coming from it, so I, I really had to—I really had to reach out for that one. But I mean, who wants to talk about ghosts when you have like that level of human suffering? So you're thinking number four, man. I got it good. I just got a couple hundred stitches. They will call me. I'm a Stitch Brother now with Dead Rabbit Radio. That's cool, right? But no, 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 no. Because you see, we are Stitch Brothers now, you and I. We went through this horrible experience together, and I just can't let it go. So one night, while you're sleeping in your bed, (laughs) you're all alone, 
sleeping in your bed. You got those horrible memories of that mysterious ghost assault behind you. I sneak into your room with a giant, giant needle and a giant, like, roll ball of yarn. And I go, Stitch, brother. We're going to be stitched together forever. And as you wake up, as the needle goes into your side, you realize that I'm connecting our bodies with unbreakable titanium string that I called yarn earlier. Sewing us together. We'll never be separated now. True Stitch Brothers till the end. And as you're howling in pain, not just from the needle penetrating your skin, but you also know that I often rewatch Transformer movies, and you're now going to be stuck watching those things with me. You realize that number four was the cursed number. The other people may have died or become trapped, but you will live forever as just a part of Dead Rabbit. <laughs> DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys. Thank you so much.